You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn on how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. You can catch myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug at Doug Branson NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and fantasy sports. So no news on the coaching front as of today. Nothing to break after recapping the two coaches in final consideration yesterday. So we'll continue to move through the roster for the Charlotte Hornets and MKG on the docket today, Doug. Is this one of the more exciting ones or not really? Like where would you put it on if there was a food chain, if there was a list? of guys that you thought were more intriguing to talk about on the roster? Would MKG even be in the top three? Like Kimba, is Kimba got to be it's one? Kimba, Kimba one. It's Dwight Howard two. Dwight's two. We got a lot of action on Nick Batum. A lot of people want to know sort of the future of Nick Batum with the Charlotte Hornets because of the amount of money that he makes. But that's know. not because of the entry. I feel like that's because you kind of know what it is with Nick Batum at this point. Right. Well, I think the same could be said for MKG. I think no, yeah, after well, two healthy seasons, and we'll talk more about this later, but after two healthy seasons, have we seen everything that we can possibly expect to see from Michael Kidd Gilchrist? And we talked about it yesterday. You know, guys don't normally get significantly better after year three. What about after year six? <laughs> Does that one work? How about after year nine? <laughs> Just give him time. He's only been in the league for 12 years. We'll see if he develops a jump shot. So MKG on the rundown for today, the number two overall pick in the 2012 NBA draft. Also the draft that saw the then Bobcats miss out on Anthony Davis, which really hurts after the worst season in NBA history. So we'll talk about his college teammate in MKG today. We could have a satchel, not a purse, but a satchel of NBA LOLs today, all depending on if Doug decides to drop it in. So I'll put that on him today. It's a strong satchel. It is. I, I. It is a strong satchel. I won't give anything away. And I don't even know if we're going to do it. You're just going to have to listen and find out. Stan Van Gundy and Detroit parted ways yesterday after four years in Detroit. He was one of the few guys that held the title of both president of basketball operations and head coach. And now, of course, he is no longer either for the Detroit Pistons. So interesting little tidbit of information there. Just something we we're pretty much waiting for, right? Or did you think that he actually might stay with Detroit? I thought he might hang on, but it was a power struggle. And ultimately, you know, coaches lose power struggles. That's, I mean, to me, that's, coaches are, are very expendable in the well, NBA. And, and you're going to see that with Dwayne Casey, right? Like, do you think Dwayne Casey's gone? It's tough. I mean, for both Dwayne Casey and Brett Brown, do you, do you move away from a coach after all of that playoff success? Can you possibly pry yourself away and, and risk doing irrev, 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 oh Lord, I'm, mm, I'm not even going to try that's anymore. That's a bad one. <laughs> that's a tough word. Irrevocable, irrevocable damage there you go. to your franchise. I saw you pick up the coffee. I didn't know if smelling the coffee helped you. I didn't know if you took a it drink helped. or not. But it sent a shock through my body. <laughs> it gave you some vocabulary there. There you go. Drink up on the good stuff. Mm. That's Michael's secret stuff. That That's Doug's secret stuff mm. is that coffee and that coffee mug. So Dwayne Casey, it might look like he might be gone. 
Brett Brown maybe held on to his job a little bit more so just with the one victory that he had over the Boston Celtics last night. Dwayne Casey unable to do it. The Raptors just laid down, man. I, I, we won't talk about the NBA playoffs a whole lot, but my God, what a, what a disappointing season that was. Or at least postseason, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I just... How can you not win one game? How can you not, you know, force the gentleman sweep on the Cavaliers? It goes to show you, once again, that in the NBA, unlike other sports, one great beats multiple very goods. And that's what you have in DeMar and Kyle. And then you have an awesome bench. It was a fun team. I mean, it was it was fun to see like these guys come in and, and do well in the second unit. I don't know how fun DeMar and Kyle are, but they're fun interacting with each other. I mean, it was a team that oh, one went away from 60 wins. That's insane as a regular season team to just no one has any kind of faith in you in the playoffs. And we got a little bit of it. I, I bought in. I bought into the to the Raptors. I thought they were different and they weren't. And there's a couple of games, of course. It, it also can go to the if you're if you're a science, if you're a number head kind of guy. Like, obviously, if any one of those tip-ins go in in game one, or if LeBron just doesn't hit the improbable right-handed left-side bank shot that doesn't hit any part of the rim to win game three, if any of that stuff doesn't happen, then possibly you're discussing something different. But you're not. You're discussing a sweep by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And LeBron James keeping talented players from the NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference. We're going to be talking about how DeMar DeRozan never won a championship just in the same way. <laughs> are, are we are we going to be talking about DeMar? Is he up there? Well, what I'm saying is like we we talk about that in terms of Charles Barkley, too. Like he never won a championship. Well, that's what I'm saying is yeah. he we're not putting him in that tier. Are well, we still got some time? How many years is he been with in the DeMar? League? I like DeMar. I don't want to I don't want to hate on him like that. But I mean, he's I don't think we're there yet. I mean, but maybe, he's maybe kept he's got very time. talented players from from an NBA no, championship in the same way that Michael Jordan kept oh, oh, a lot of Eastern Conference players from championships. Absolutely. Maybe it's just weird. It just feels like there's not a, the aura around Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. But I do like those guys. I mean, DeMar DeRozan is a good player. And we were talking about, like, who are the best backcourts in the Eastern Conference? It, it, would you take Washington's backcourt over Toronto? No. You would take Toronto's backcourt? I would take Toronto's backcourt. In a heartbeat, it seems like. Easy. Yes, and I, and I wonder, though, if those two players being paired for so long actually sort of hurt their ability to stand out on their own. Yeah, it was, it was more tough for me. I do go Toronto, but it was more tough for me. It just it seemed those guys in Washington, they've got problems team chemistry wise. I mean, you can at least see it reported with Marcin Gortat. I don't know. Those guys got problems with John Wall. What was it? The comment? It was John Wall's comments, right? It was John Wall's comments about essentially about Marcin Gortat right. and and the rest of the bigs on that on that Washington team that that they weren't moving around that they weren't playing defense and you don't have that problem in Toronto. I mean, there's there's a lot of respect for what Valanciunas was able to do. I mean, in one of those losses, he had what like 20, 21, 22 rebounds. Like he was still <laughs> he was still giving maximum effort. Right. Uh, they just didn't have any answer defensively for LeBron James. You can't you can't go one-on-one with LeBron James at the end of the game. What are you doing? Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So, one of those uh, talented players at LeBron James and basically every other team in the NBA that keeps from getting to the NBA Finals, that's Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker. Are we going to be talking about him in that same Charles Barkley-esque type of conversation? Hey, Kimba Walker, I hope not, man. I hope not. I hope he's with Charlotte and I hope he finds some way to make the NBA Finals. We can dream. Took a break from it yesterday, but we will get back on the odds train with Doug. The NBA draft lottery takes place exactly one week today from today. 
So the Charlotte Hornets have the 11th best odds to get the number one overall pick. And if you're unfamiliar with the segment, giving them about a 125 shot for the Hornets at the top of at the top selection, Doug will ask me what has the better odds of happening between the Hornets getting this year's Anthony Davis or something completely ridiculous and which one has the better shot of actually occurring. So we'll play that one today as well on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. More on MKG up next. He is another guy on the roster who you just don't have a ton of hope in, or is it a guy that you do have a little bit of hope in to improve? Do you like him for whatever he is? Just stay tuned with us next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll discuss all things MKG. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs> now here's the funny part i was listening to this to prep it for the show and um my wife walks in and was like what are you yeah listening right to that's a little scary cool. if, if you don't have the context if you oh, walk yeah. in and you start hearing that yeah that's darth vader i didn't have pants on that didn't help <laughs> yeah, either. No, that's... Um, it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you are checking out what else the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including Locked On Panthers. Host Bill Rossetti is bringing you his brand of NFL draft and off-season analysis. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Panthers. We're proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the biggest local stories in every market. Irrevocable. 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 Are you why did I even go for that? Is I, the question. I don't, know. I don't know why you went for that. Because I, I need to consult you I more. I don't on, go for that. You're, you're you. Oh, that's the thing. You are the radio expert. I need to consult you more on words that you just don't go after on the radio. Are there words? Do you have words? Multisyllabic words that you're just like, you know what? No. No. And sometimes, actually, I'll I'll have to make sure that I'm ready to say it or just mentally prepare. Like, you know what? This is this is a word that comes to mind. So in one part of my brain, I'm kind of rambling a la Stugatz, where I'm just saying a whole lot of words that probably don't mean anything, but it buys me time. <laughs> and then I go eventually to that side of my brain where, bomb, awesome word that I'm going to use for whatever real take that I have. And that's the kind of thing that you just kind of you just kind of go in a blank space where you just kind of stare at a wall real quick, and then you get to it eventually. That's the problem. I did not cue that word up. No, you I just didn't, you didn't cue it in the left part of your brain, right part, wherever it was like a car it. that wouldn't quite start. It was like, no, but you smelled the coffee. It was a jolt to your battery and you find found a way to actually say, I'm not going to say it. There you go. <laughs> Irrevocable. I said it wrong, didn't I? Irrevocable. Irrevocable. Laranyaga. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. A boot and holzer. God, we have some mispronunciations. Stay with us, please. Uh, MKG, this is the guy that we have up on the docket today. Um, number two overall pick again in the 2012 NBA draft. Sandwiched between Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal, Doug. Tough guys to be sandwiched between because you never got a shot at Anthony Davis, who would have 100% been the pick. But also Bradley Beal did get a lot of play as a possible consideration at number two. But of course, MKG ends up being that selection for Michael Jordan and company. He's still very young at 24. He's now completed six full seasons in the NBA. It, that, that's kind of one of those players where you take a step back and say, where has the time gone? Six full seasons for MKG. Now, it probably feels a little bit like it's less because of all the injury history that he's had. I think the hope was kind of unknown for MKG with him for a while, too, because he was pretty injury ridden from his second to fourth year 
in the NBA where he missed a combined over 100 games. So I feel like that's kind of where maybe that's coming from. But it does feel like it kind of went. It happened in a flash and in a blink and in an instant for MKG where you thought, man, is he really going into a seventh season in the NBA? And just going back to that draft, I mean, you know, Beal and Anthony Davis have both dealt with injuries just like MKG, maybe not as significantly, though, Beal. I mean, it looked like there for for the first couple of seasons that MKG could outpace Beal just in production uh, by default because Beal was missing so much time. Uh, but then you look at this past season, uh, Beal, for the first time, led his team in minutes and total points. So Beal has made the leap. MKG, we're still waiting. Beal, and you could tell even with the injuries, at least, you knew there was something there with Beal. Uh, and again, you, you, mentioned, you, well, you mentioned by default. I think that is key because when you saw him on the court, it looked like Beal had something there. And plus, again, a 40% three-point shooter right now career-wise for Bradley Beal. 39, I believe, just shy, just shy of 40. So Bradley Beal was showing you that at least it was showing you the improvement. And I don't think you've gotten that from MKG. And here's the thing, Doug. I mean, the last two seasons, he's missed just a combined nine games, which means he's pretty damn healthy the past two years. You can't put that as an excuse anymore. No. And I don't know how much improvement you've seen from him, not even the past couple of seasons, but in the, even in the last, I mean, in the last six, really. I mean, the last six, there was one time where I thought, okay, you're starting to see MKG improve, and it didn't have anything to do really in the regular season. I think a lot of fans would have put MKG right up there with guys that they wanted to see improve. And I think at times, honestly, I was falling for it on social media. They would show these videos of him shooting and the form looked legitimately different it looked like a guy that was actually able to hit from mid-range and of course this was the Mark Price era where you saw Mark Price as the shooting coach for the Charlotte Hornets but then Mark Price goes to coach the Charlotte 49ers and they still had a relationship I did talk to Mark a couple of times and he discussed that he still worked with MKG MKG would actually go to Halton Arena and play with the college players that were there the 49ers so they did still have a relationship but it's just you know I mean MKG's traveling all the time Mark Price isn't with them all the time it's you had a tremendous shooting coach in Bruce Kreitzer who Steve Clifford gives all the credit in the world to when discussing Kimba Walker's jump shot but MKG you could tell there was a relationship between he and Mark Price and he leaves and ever since then I'm not going to blame it all on that but it just seems like that was a key factor into where you didn't see him anymore you didn't see him really improve on anything else as far as a jump shot outside of really you know, 10, 15 feet. Yeah, and after last season, the, the big storyline was that MKG was disappointed with his production and that it resembled you know, a lot of his rookie year production, both in terms of the volume of offense that was coming his way and, and how efficient he was at producing that offense. And so you, I think it was reasonable to expect that something would change. Yeah. And really it didn't. Same points per game. Uh, his efficiency ticked up a little bit, but not significant enough to 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 really, uh, you know, bat an eye at. And then his rebounding went down significantly, which I, I sort of assumed would happen when they brought in Dwight Howard, and and it and it did. So, and it kind of takes a little bit of money out of your pocket as well, because if you're MKG, you need to do a lot of things well, given your offensive skill set, like rebound, like assist, like anything like that, right? And the only thing he really does well outside of defend, which is important, of course. But it's rebound, and because the guy he drives he drives at the basket well. But you get where I'm going with this. He can't shoot. 
he the assist numbers he just doesn't have any you, know, you look down the numbers I mean it's as low as any other player really in that draft class in 2012 I mean it's crazy low so he doesn't really facilitate the ball all that well it's a guy that is going to make his money off being one of the better defenders in the NBA and I just don't know if he's an elite defender I and mean, he's a good defender he's a great defender is he an elite defender? Is it is because the only way you live up to the billing of being the number two overall pick or even anything close to it, it's if you make that skill set, which is by far the strongest skill set you have, an elite skill set. And I just don't see it being a top fifteen guy. Is he a top fifteen defender to you in your eyes? I don't think so. Not this season. I mean, I don't think that he made this defense significantly better with with his presence on the floor. I mean, that was one of the. Uh, the big takeaways from this season for the Charlotte Hornets is that they did not get better defensively. And certainly his impact on the defensive end was was not enough to justify uh, the minus that he was in the half-court offense. Because we should mention, Walker, that he is one of their best transition offensive players. I mean, he is automatic. He is unguardable in transition. But the problem is that for the past couple of seasons, this has not been a team that really wanted to get up and down. Maybe that changes this next season and he can be more of an impact player on offense in that respect. Uh, but I don't think that that outside jump shot is well, ever coming. No, it, it's not. No, it's it's not. There's six seasons, man. Okay, I'm done. Right. I mean, you, you can't you can't see much anymore uh, from MKG and at least you can't hang your hat on it or hope that, well, MKG is going to get better this season. You just can't do that. At what point I did think a lot of fans had MKG up there as one of the more important players, even with Nick Batum. And and the reason I say that is because I remember coming off that season where the Hornets went to seven games with the Miami Heat and MKG had just played seven games that entire regular season. And I think a lot of people said, okay, MKG basically is going to be a free agent acquisition. He's going to come in and he's going to help this team right on with Nick Batum, who had a good reclamation project after a bad year in Portland. And you had Courtney Lee and Jeremy Lin, but you knew you were going to have to lose a couple of those guys, probably those two to be specifically, and eventually you did, keeping Marvin Williams. And then, so you you think everything's going to be good. You think Charlotte is going to have another 45, hopefully on the top end, 50 win season, and it just doesn't come because, again, Mark Price is gone. You lose two shooters, by the way, in Courtney Lee and Jeremy Lin. That was big. Not only what they did all around, those guys spread the floor. MKG clogs the paint, and that's just what he does. Is part of the problem, Walker, that especially this past season, he did not have many impact games. Like there's some role players that can average 10 to 12 points a game, but you can point to five or six games where though that that was a game that that role player really stepped up, scored 25 and helped this team win a basketball game. There's just not many of those games for MKG really the past two seasons. So there's there's nothing for your memory to hang on to to say, oh, yes, now I know the impact of this player. You, you could go on, I think you could go the one thing you could go on, right? And it's what, it was the unknown. It, it, was, it was faulty. It gave you a lot of hope because the unknown was MKG in those seven games averaged 13 points and the Charlotte Hornets looked the best, I think, in a lot of people's opinion when MKG was out there on the floor with that team because it gave you a little bit more in your arsenal. Okay, Courtney Lee is a guy, well, I guess he wasn't in the game when he played those seven games, but eventually you would get Courtney Lee, and it made you think, okay, at least we have something in our bag. At least we have something else in transition if we want to start to run and gun a little bit, MKG is your guy. If we want to get a little bit better defender, maybe somebody a little bit taller than Courtney Lee out there, then that's your guy. 
you know, and Jeremy Lin and Courtney Lee, again, those were the guys that shot well. And I think you just had something in your bag, and then you're expecting, okay, MKG, 13 rebounds, one of the best small forward rebounders in the game. Okay, I, I let's let's see if we can work some, with something. Let's see if maybe that jump shot improves a little bit more. And then eventually he plays the 81 games he did two seasons ago, and you don't see anything. I, I think that's when you were like, man, I, I'm I'm disappointed in what you see from MKG. And, of course, that trickles down to you're disappointed what you see from the Charlotte Hornets. Two 20-point outings this season, 20 or more points. Uh, one was against Cleveland in a loss. He had 22 points on 10 of 14 shooting. That was a, a loss, 115 to 107. And then he scored 21 points in January in a win over the Wizards, 8 of 11 from the field, in that 133-109 uh, victory where, where it seemed like every Hornet scored 20 or more points in that one. Some questions real quick to get to with MKG. We know how much Clifford valued MKG's role in the starting lineup. Is there any reason, uh, will he, and is there any reason for the next head coach to value MKG, maybe not as much as Steve Clifford, but just even even kind of close enough to keep him out there with significant minutes in the rotation? Yeah, and he, val- he really valued MKG in the starting lineup, especially in the first half where you wanted to set sort of a defensive tone, but you saw him go away from MKG in a lot of those fourth quarters. But I think it's a legitimate question, Walker, as they as they look to bring in a new coach. They've got a new general manager who has expressed, you know, wanting to get up and down, increase the pace of play. That would seem to play into MKG's one great offensive ability, his transition game. But at the same time, if this new coach wants to put shooting on the floor, I could very well see. I mean, look, there 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 will be no uh, there's going to be no romance anymore about this starting unit. I think everything's. Uh, up for grabs at this point and I think MKG is certainly one of the more vulnerable players in this rotation at this point and I'll say this MKG still has a role in the NBA because the the two places I'll go to and it's actually OKC for both of them is you can look at the more comparable player to MKG is Tabo Cephalosha who was on those starting fives with mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook with Kevin Durant but he actually developed a jump shot after, you could you could depend on him for one or two threes yeah and and that's something you can't do with MKG but he was de- he was there to to not to uh lock down any kind of the best perimeter shooter that they had best perimeter offensive player that they have that was Tabo's game he did develop a three-pointer so then it probably comes a little bit more comparable just because of the way they play with Andre Roberson a guy that is all defense, that they please, they hope to God Andre Roberson sees that open three and shoots it because he can't shoot very well either. So I think, but then again, you see Roberson go off or you go out off the court and the Thunder, I think, really struggled. I think there was a legitimate absence there with Roberson off of the floor. So I think now what you're seeing is MKG needs to find maybe that niche, become that kind of defender because as those two are the guys I closely compare, He's not he's not as good as those guys defending and he can't give you the three point shooting as Tabo once did and he I don't think he just I don't think he defends the perimeter like Andre does. Well also Andre got to play with some some players that you're were right, high, right were high that. volume offensive players who could create their own shot. I mean so how many times Walker did we see this season an offensive play where where the ball rotated and suddenly found MKG in the mid range, no one even near him. So the, the the paint was clogged. They were able to uh, get in there, dig down on Dwight Howard, cause turnovers. But when that ball found MKG, you knew it was going up for an inefficient shot because he didn't pass out very much. 
His his assist percentage was not very high this season. And he was looking for his own offense. And, and you knew that it wasn't going to be the absolute best look that they could get. And if he caught it above the three-point line, then it was even more awkward. And I would like to continue the MKG discussion, but we have a Woj bomb dropped. Uh-oh. It's a big one. Uh-oh. It's a big one. Do we have a Woj bomb? Do we have anything? It's big. Play something. We need some music. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I'm putting you to the test. It's big. It's monumental. This is all I got. <laughs> Let's go with it. Yes. We're going to soothe you with this news. Woj just dropped that Spurs assistant James Borrego is finalizing a deal to become the next head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. This is of 11 minutes ago, Woj tweeted that. So that was about 10.50. So, Doug? James Borrego. That's what I should have played. I should have played this. I thought we could be transparent with that. James Borrego, the guy becoming the new head coach for the Charlotte Hornets. We talked about him. We discussed him in our podcast yesterday. Thoughts from you? Anything different? I liked Borrego a little bit more than Larinaga out of out of Boston. I like Borrego because he had the head coaching experience because I watched a lot of his postgame press conferences in preparation uh, for our segments over the past couple of days, past couple of shows, and I liked his confidence. I liked his ability to communicate both what went right in Orlando and what went wrong. And I thought, you know, you look at some of the quotes that came out of that stint in Orlando with Oladipo and Tobias Harris, and he got buy-in from young players, got them to play defense when they weren't playing defense. And I think that's as sure a sign as anything that a coach uh, is able to translate a message when you can get young players to play defense, and Borrego did that. Do we drop an emergency pod? Do we do we make an elongated pod? What do we do, Doug? You're the producer. Take the reins. Show me the way. Well, I think we should definitely talk about this for a few more minutes. And then maybe after this, yeah, you and I really dig deep on this. Take take on the Borrego pod. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's go Borrego heavy for the rest of the show. <laughs> so Borrego, again, is finalizing a deal, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Again, it is 104 right now. He sent that tweet out about... 10, 12, 15 minutes ago. So you're looking at about a 10:50 time frame when he tweeted that out and or 11:50, 12:50. God, I can't tell time anymore. I, I can't pronunciate anything and I can't tell time. Irrevocable. 12. This decision by the Charlotte Hornets is irrevocable. Yes. Yeah, so the new head coach, James Borrega, is now going to come in and hopefully make this team uh, per, per, uh, significantly improve. One thing about him that I had even picked up even since the pod that we dropped on him and Jay Larinaga was that James Borrego, again, he's kind of the player coach when you look at the two. And not that Laranega had any problems go uh, relating to any of the players. You could see him do that very well, I believe. But Borrego was a guy that is considered a, a player's coach. I talked with uh, Keith Smith of Real GM on uh, on the radio show that I do yes, or today. And Keith Smith was discussing that Borrego is a guy that he's familiar with because Smith is based in Orlando. He was there when Borrego took over. For Jacques Vaughn, like we talked about, had the 10 and 20 record eventually going back to San Antonio. But we did give you that Victor Oladipo quote that one, Borrego held them accountable and two, they enjoyed playing for him. So you have a player's coach. Interesting. I don't know if you would describe Steve Clifford as a player's coach by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if you would say that Steve Clifford is a tyrant. I would say that it is a lot more lax, I believe, in that way where James Borrego probably will relate to the players a little bit more than what Steve Clifford did. And that goes to the that goes to the idea of when you fire somebody, 
you go the complete opposite direction of something you felt was that person's weakness. And I think Borrego, being a player's coach like that, having a great deal in the player development of the San Antonio Spurs organization, I think that's what likened the Charlotte Hornets to bringing him aboard to make them the new head coach. And the two things that we heard from Curtis Polk when he talked to Rick Bennell about this coaching search, the two things that they were looking for were accountability and player development. And and we, we did tell you the quote from Victor Oladipo, told this to the Orlando Sentinel in 2015. He said, uh, he's really holding us accountable, telling us what he expects of us, wanting more for us. So he's doing a great job right now. Now, 10 and 20 record while he was in Orlando. But again, I, I think you, you have to put away the record because Orlando was was basically in a downward spiral by that point. And that's why things weren't going Vaughn, right. Sure. Yeah. That's why Vaughn got the ejector seat. Sure. Things weren't going right. And again, I'll, I'll reference a, a quote I said yesterday to Dan Feldman uh, discussing the Borrego and the Laranega consideration yesterday, he said that he felt Borrego probably was a little out of his element at that time. Now, that was three years ago. There's been three seasons that have happened since then with the San Antonio Spurs. So three more years under Greg Popovich. And he could be wrong, and Dan Feldman mentioned that. He said, you know, it was just a feeling that I got. But Borrego is a guy that comes in with all of these exper- all of this experience, 10-plus years of experience under Greg Popovich. One thing that we did mention yesterday also was – You've seen the tree under Greg Popovich blossom pretty much on every single branch. I mean, there's a lot of successful guys that have come under Greg Popovich. If you were to hire Jay Laranega, who has been in some consideration now, it would have been the first guy you've really seen under the Brad Stevens tree. And I don't know if that would have been anything to scare me enough to not like the selection, but it is something to at least have a little bit more of a comfortable bed to lay in, where it's already been set with James Borrego and the Spurs and the pop and the coaching tree. We, 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 we like all that. that that's, a, that's a nice picture that, that has been painted for us. This is a blank canvas that you're getting with Jay Laranega. So I, I like what you get from James Borrego. Should mention a couple of other things, too, that Borrego was getting interest from other teams. So this was not a, a case where the Charlotte Hornets had keyed in on one guy that no one else was talking to. Uh, I think he had some interest from Orlando and Atlanta as well. And also the Hornets... Uh, first, were rumored to to be going after Ator Messina and uh, Ime Udoka uh, from the San Antonio Spurs as well. So uh, they have definitely done their due diligence. I mean, they have they have interviewed or or expressed interest in or gotten permission to interview a lot of highly respected assistant coaches. And today they landed on their guy. Uh, today they get their Spurs assistant after interviewing a couple of these guys. And James Borrego, it is James Borrego. Your new Charlotte Hornets head coach, as Woj again, just dropping that a few minutes ago that he was he is finalizing a deal with Mitch Kupchak with the Charlotte Hornets and company. So we'll take a quick timeout. We'll reassess. We'll come back. We'll discuss more on Borrego. Take a couple of other tie other minutes to assess Doug's, of course, NBA satchel of LOLs. We'll play the odds as well. But again, plenty of more on the head coaching hiring with the Charlotte Hornets. Again, thanks for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Stick around. I'm Walker Mel alongside Doug Branson. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biombo before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
An exciting pod today. Going in on MKG, kind of looking at his career, and then all of a sudden Woj decided to drop a bomb on us that James Borrego was finalizing a deal with the Charlotte Hornets to become the next head coach. Happening pretty quickly when we figured out it was going to be these two guys over the weekend. (laughs) We addressed it yesterday in the podcast, and now it has become official around this time again that James Borrego will be the new head coach. I like the move. I know Doug likes the move. I know he likes it better than what Laranega would have been. Not that anybody would have disliked it, but it would have been, I think, my choice as well. I think James Borrego is the right choice, considering also they have looked at a ton of guys that was out there on the open market. So fun. The Charlotte Hornets, they get their guy as Steve Clifford, he takes over for, who is also looking for a head coaching job himself. So some fun stuff here on the Locked On Hornets podcast today. Now we will go to odds. The lottery will take place on May 15th, just a week from today. Mitch Kupchak and Buzz Peterson, by the way, will be representing the Hornets at the lottery. A little weird. Can you have two guys? I don't think you can have two guys. I think they're breaking the the rules. I don't like this. It's weird. It's fine. But I don't love it. It's a little weird that one of these guys, I mean, do you, do you have usually, because it seems like a pretty cramped podium that are a bunch of podiums that are connected to each other. Mm-hmm. And nobody else sends two people, right? Like maybe Dan Gilbert and his son, which was pretty cool. But then again, I feel like Dan Gilbert was kind of on the side somewhere. Right. The it son was, was the only one on right. camera. So do you have both of these guys on camera? Do you have one Buzz sitting on, on camera? You got to get Mitch Kupchak up there. Buzz, you got to get out of here, buddy. I think so, right? You can't, unless you just want to give Buzz some kind of shot. Unless you, unless Mitch has Buzz on his lap and Buzz is sort of- Santa vent- style? The, I like it. Oh Yeah, or ventriloquist, you know? <laughs> well, let's see how, how, how much ventrilo- ventriloquist are yeah. we going? <laughs> I don't think anything, or I don't, I don't want to go that much. Whoa, yeah, I don't want to go with ventriloquist. Let's go, I like the Santa style a little bit more. Either one is creepy, <laughs> the one you go with. A little bit more creepy. I apologize, Doug. You never have to apologize to me, Walker. That's fantastic. All right, let's play some odds, man. Time now to pick up what has better odds. All right, so the Hornets have a 0.8% chance of getting the number one overall pick or one in 125 odds. I ask you this, Walker. Do the Hornets have a better chance at getting the number one pick or of losing their remote control in their own car. In their own car? Huh. I was like, why well, lose my remote control all the time? That's happens nice all twist. the time. That happens all the time. Right. But how about you losing your remote your control car. and finding it in your own vehicle outside? I don't think I've ever done that. It seems plausible. Like you get up from watching TV real quick and you just put it in your pocket or something. But then again, how small is the remote? These are all things you need to consider when discussing what this. What are the remote possibilities? Oh, I like it. I <laughs> I will go with the remote in the car. I, this one's a tough one as well. I'm going with the remote in the car. The Hornets have a better chance of... So you you think that the Hornets have a better chance of losing their remote control in their car? <laughs> oh, yes. All of them. All the Hornets. <laughs> that is correct. All right. 2% chance that when you lose your remote control, it ends up being... In your vehicle. I didn't feel good about that one. You you, you lose it all the time, but I don't think you bring it in your car. I could see how that is a possibility, though. You want to play another one? Are you trying to bring that back? No, no, that's all I had. (laughs) I was excited. I like that game. It's a fun game. No, that's that's the only one that I have for today because this Borrego news is completely. We we were going to have Matt. We were going to have Matt Shook on from the Locked On Pistons podcast. Get out of here, Van Gundy. But. The, the news has shook our entire show. That's old news, man. We don't want Van Gundy around here. We got James Borrego in Charlotte. 
Stan Van Gundy was Steve Clifford before Steve Clifford was Steve Clifford. I don't want Stan Van Gundy here anymore. So Borrego, final thoughts, man. I mean, look, James, again, we've discussed it. We've, we've dissected it from a lot of different angles. I think that it's good to go with a younger coach. I think it's good to go with an assistant head coach rather than recycle assistant coach. I should say, I should say, excuse me, rather than recycling a guy that we have seen have an experience and saying, well, maybe this is a different situation that works for him. I like getting rid of all that. I like the fact that they did interview quite a lot of people. I like the fact that they got somebody from Greg Popovich, who I think is the greatest head coach of all time. I like it all. I'm in on this move. To me, Borrego represents the best of both worlds because he does have head coaching experience, and that comes, I think, with a certain gravitas. And he also is a young coach and and somebody that's focused on on developing players and holding those players accountable. I think that his past has shown that you're you're rarely going to go wrong plucking some fruit from the pop tree. So I think he represents a hire that could be great in the short term and possibly possibly extremely great in the long term if you found sort of the next Brad Stevens or found the next gem off the pop tree. Uh, so I'm excited about this move. I think it was the right the right hire. And and I think more more than anything, Walker, I'm just excited that they seem to have done their homework, gone through a somewhat extensive search and and landed on two very good possibilities in both Borrego and Larinaga. We both had it third, I believe, on our list of trying to find something, right? I mean, as far as the the top storylines of this offseason, I believe, or maybe we had it out. I think we had it out of the top three. I think we had finding a new head coach was out of the top three of our main storylines when we were first discussing working together. Right. And it's because you have a lot of other answers or questions to answer. You still have Kimba Walker. What are you going to do with him? You still have Dwight Howard. You still have, are you rebuilding or are you retooling? You still have what Mitch Kupchak's first draft is going to look like. I think all of those precede what this head coaching hire does yeah. in an importance order. Nonetheless, it's still important because it is going to last, you hope, for a long time. And we have some big news here in Charlotte Hornets, uh, in the Charlotte Hornets um, um, news today. Universe, yeah. We yes. have to figure out Thank what you. kind, because look, the, the bottom line is when Borrego was in Orlando and, and being in San Antonio, he is a, a part of something larger. He is not really defining what it, what it was to be uh, on the San Antonio Spurs, or really, he was stewarding a franchise in Orlando that was completely lost. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to find out uh, what his style is going to be in Charlotte, what he believes, what what are his main tenets uh, for for uh, winning basketball. So we'll, we'll find out, all of that out over the next couple of days. All right. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll catch you again tomorrow. More on James Borrego again. Just being announced the Charlotte Hornets' new head coach. Thanks again for listening. I'm Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson.